looking at the number one California, here we come Right back where we started from Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton Driving down the 101 California, here we come Right back where we started from California Welcome to the OCD, bitch The show where we take an in-depth Episode by episode, look at the seminal and underrated primetime soap opera of the early aughts, The O.C. I am your host for the evening, Mike Gravani, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. My God, Mike, why does it feel like it's been so long? It's only been a week, but I missed you? Yeah, which is gross, but I missed you too. You have a... I think the thing is, that, like, the thing that makes most people miss you is that every single one of your body parts has a Mm -hmm. different funk to it. You know, so yeah. it's not—it's not like your armpit smells like your knee pit. Those are two different smells, and I miss them all. It's a cornucopia of toxic Avenger smells. Okay, so the way I see it, there's two options here. One, you're putting different deodorants on each of your parts, mm. each of your two thousand parts, and none of it is lever two thousand. Or you have different types of pores all over your body that make different stinkies. I think it's that one because one, I often just forget to put on deodorant on the normal parts, let alone the other 1,098 parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, yeah, I mean, my nose pores are very big. My leg pores are very tiny. It's all crazy. Different stuff's happening. Do you ever, like, do you ever, like, walk into a room? Like, you go to the library and you're like, Dad, like, are there smells that, like, will hit you so hard? Like, maybe somebody at the library wears your dad's cologne or detergent or whatever. Uh, (laughs) Every time you're in the Budweiser factory. Yeah, I'm I'm full on. Is it Proust the Madeline? Like, and then he just time travels because of the taste of that cookie. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Smells will do that for sure. There, there's like, le- there's a certain. It's not like lemon zest. There's a certain lemon cleaner that sends me straight back to basic training. Uh-huh. I'm like, I wasn't ready for this. I don't want this flashback right now. I swear to God, my kindergarten class had a smell, and I don't know what it is. But like, if you walk by me wearing kindergarten cologne, uh, yeah, I just drop to one knee and then I start eating paste all of a sudden. <laughs> It's just a Pavlovian urge. You have to eat that Elmer's. And then, like, I miss my grandparents so much, but there's one in particular that, like, Pussy. his smell, I miss. So every time I walk past somebody who shit their pants, I'm like, Grandpa, where are you at? Because he would always shit other people's pants. What is there? Is there a, like, subgenre of smells that, like, get under your skin that you cannot stand that'll make you bomb bomb? Uh, I mean, like, like, on purpose or not? Because like uh, anything that has like a vanilla edge, I think smells good, but sends my allergies into craziness. Oh, okay. So there's that. Like if you have like any sort of like fake vanilla, then I just start mm. sneezing like crazy. Yeah, mine's it's the blend of like I I, I was this kind of kid who hung out in a lot of like shops that sold like pewter daggers and like crystal balls and shit. Uh, uh, and then eventually I had to I grew allergic to that because I realized it made other people allergic to me. But there's there's a blend of incenses that. Is the only thing I'm allergic to, which is be- not a bad thing to be allergic to. Because the people who abused you and objectified you had that same incense? I guess. It must be. But it's like a cinnamon, vanilla, sage blend. I think I feel like that my dad cut a lot of wood in the garage. Because anytime like I'm around yeah, that did. sawdust smell, why, why does it have to be sexual, dude? I don't know. It's just... Dad cut a lot of wood in the garage. I just want, just- I want to say right now that my dad was a great dad to me, okay? <laughs> And when he was cutting wood in the garage, it was totally normal and fine to me, but then molested Mike in the garage in a much different way. So we yeah, did. we smell sawdust the same, or different. <laughs> nope, definitely different. <laughs> but yeah, anytime I smell sawdust, uh, that sort of takes me back. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, musty basements. Musty. I, I loved must. That's like the weirdest thing. It's like other people think is a bad smell that I'm into. Do you remember? Oh man, speaking of must, do you remember when like you would go into your parents' room early in the morning, at, like uh, on like a big Sunday full of sleep, and they just stunk that room up out of, like, out of like sex and sleep must. That does not ring a bell to you? No, I don't think I did that ever. Oh, well, I, I think, think I knew not to go in. <laughs> I think a big part of like finally being a man is not like having muscles or fighting crime, but being able to just just sleep and stink so and bad stink that, up the room. that when you open the door, green lines come out. <laughs> that is, uh, and you're saying that's a smell most people don't like that you're into. I'm not into it. Like into it means like, oh, where do you come from? Erection? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like. That everyone has their own musk, and if you have my dad's musk, I will say, Mike, come over here. Yeah, get I touched. get that, and I buy that, and there's definitely like levels, because there's certain people you're like, oh, hello, that musk, but if it's too much, you're like, no, it's this is overwhelming, and I hate it. And I don't think that I have a musk, because I am not a man. I have no muscles and cannot make sawdust. Like, Oh. I can't even cut up. Kind of- I can't even cut up on a bag of sawdust, much less cut something to make sawdust, but my wife will wake up. I'll still be asleep, go downstairs, do something, and then come back upstairs in the room, and then just be hit in the face with my disgusting green fat musk (laughs) that I have everywhere. She's gone. Release it all. (laughs) When it just dissipates through the room. Well, I think we'll be continuing to talk about musk through the rest of the show, but do you want to tell the listeners what we're actually talking about? Uh, I do. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at this episode of The O.C., like we always do, but tonight we're going to do it different. We're not going to go through plot or character because that's boring. Who is the muskiest character? And I think yes. the word for this is swarth. Who is the swarth. swarthiest person? The swarthiest character. Is Oliver, probably. But he's gone. And such a weak name. Yeah, Oliver's not a strong... It's not a swarthiest name. Well, I mean, Oliver's a, not a great first name, but Oliver, probably. Like, that's a bad last name, too. <laughs> yeah, just make a stand. Is, Oliver, definitely. Is swarth a good thing or a bad thing to have? Because it feels I, like it feels like full of confidence, but also disgustingness. Uh, I, I I think it, it's probably person dependent, and I also I'm trying to remember if there's any connotations that we don't want to walk into. Like <laughs> that this is like, <laughs> like every time you you say something that like you think is totally fine, like oh gypsies, gypsies are offended by that. God damn it! Oh, is gypsies bad? I can't even yeah, say gypsy. I, I, I think it's the Rom- Romani people. Okay, uh, but I think Italians and Greeks are swarthy. But I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's a bad thing to say. It's uh, two things. One, musk all the time. Not even just sleep, just all the time. And two is, can we barely see your necklace thanks to your chest hair? Oh. That means you have swarth. Also, then my old boss, George Abu Hader, was definitely swarthy. Do you have a belt that's not really a belt, but it's like a cloth or like it's like a sash, but like you also have a sword in it? You've got swarth, my friend. That's a strong silk. How's it holding up a sword? Mike, let me preview the show tonight. We are going to do, for the first time in a long time in the history of the OCD, an entire episode... All in one podcast. We are at the showdown. That showdown is between Seth and Zach over Summer's yeah, Love. But I bet, judging by how good the OC is at like themes and stuff, there's multiple showdowns going on in this episode. I think there's a lot of head-to-head combats coming. We are going to talk about how Seth and Zach declare war when they compete against each other for Summer's affections. Meanwhile, Marissa is still reeling from Trey's assault and refused to confide in Ryan about the incident. Sandy does confront Kristen with her a drinking problem becomes very apparent, and Caleb hands divorce papers to Julie. All those showdowns and more on tonight's The OCD. 
Ryan, in this episode's Breakfast Nook, Kiki is just, you know, making a quick morning vodka tomato juice. What what are we at? Like like 7 a.m., 7.15 a.m.? It seems pretty early. And she is just putting that vodka right in, and then Cindy comes in, and she, like, turns into a cartoon and throws the vodka away to grab the tomato juice. And just like, oh, it's, it's full of electrolytes and vitamins. She says, and I quote, whoop, 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 and then turns into a dust cloud that looks like she's fighting herself. And he doesn't uh, catch on because he's just, like, been watching the news or something. And he goes, do you think I look like Tony Blair? And I guess that's a reference to old school, early 2000s British prime ministers, mm-hmm. right? Because now we have the Canadian prime minister. Right? Like, he's the hottie. Trudeau. Trudeau. Was Tony Blair hottie back then? I think so, right? Or was he a magician? Could he, he can't be both? You cannot be hot and a magician, no. You can't be hot and a magician? 100% no, you can. That's Edward Norton, an illusionist. He was not a magician. He was an actor trying to be. Do you think Edward Norton learned all those tricks? <laughs> what? What is with all the indignant scoffs? I almost feel like you're a magician, and I can tell because of your ugly face. <laughs> Ouch, and thank you. That Yeah, I was distracting you with the scoffs while I was doing some sleight of hand beneath. Oh, my God. Everyone in the audience, you don't even see what an amazing trick he just pulled off. Mm-hmm. Making everyone think know. that he's handsome. Uh, so Sandy wants to know if he looks like Tony Blair and if they can go to Palm Springs this weekend. Because there is a thing bubbling. Neither of them know why necessarily that something's wrong with them as a couple. And they need to get away and like just have a romantic time together. Can we talk about Sandy's proposal of Palm Springs real quick? Because I want to know if he is obtuse, willfully obtuse. Or, not to keep the geometry talk going, angling at trying to find out information by, like, pitching shit. Yeah, I think he realizes that they've both been pretty isolated, (laughs) and he's trying to bring them together. Uh, I don't think he's, I I guess it's willful obtuseness, if anything. And not to keep Uh, this geometry thing going, but they are in a triangle, a love triangle, between Sandy, Kirsten, and Caleb, who wants to fuck his daughter. There we go. Uh, But in, in the Return to the Nana... He told his mom that they're. He's like, yeah, our marriage has been better. Like he knows something's up. I know, and I like. Is this the best part about family or the worst part about family? Because the nana, who has not returned in this episode, that was the last one, says, "I know you guys will work it out." And on one hand, that's crazy, nana, because you hate Kirsten. Yeah. On the other hand, that is uh, platitudes that do not help me out at all. You have no idea what the problem is, and you're just saying, "Oh, I'm sure you guys will work it out," and then right. you, you ask for no more information. Well, that's because Nana's kind of a narcissist, and she wanted to talk about Bobby, her beau. Uh, but it's also like, Sandy and Kirsten have been doing this for 20 years, and I do think they gloss over it a lot, or if it's it's been hidden in fun quips, but they come from very different backgrounds. And I still think, after 20 years of marriage, that they look at the world differently, and so there's going to be friction. I don't think this is the first time in their marriage there's issues. I know, but like, what I imagine is a younger couple living in a bus... I think that at one point Sandy says like they spent two years of their relationship living in a bus as hippies. And when something comes up that's different, then they just scream it at each other. And there's something about this that's like, oh, I'm sneaking around. Oh, I'm it, smelling it, things. It, it's a musk? Uh, it, it, oh, you mean him smelling her drink? Right. He knows like right away because she's like, oh, it's tomato juice. And he like, when she leaves the room, he like takes a whiff and walks away. Uh I, yeah, I think he knows something's coming. It, it does almost seem like, because so all their issues kind of started with Rachel. She assumed he was going to hook up with Rachel, and he was like, no. And then he there was issues with his 
old flame whose name escapes me. Rebecca. Rebecca. Uh, but it does seem like, because Kiki's not like, let's fix things. She's just like, I have a crush on Carter. I'm going to drink a bunch. Like, it almost feels like, I'm seeing, especially in this episode, a little bit of her dad in her of like, what if I just distance myself and don't try to fix anything right now? Except with liquor. I I know that one day soon I will be declared an alcoholic and I will have to do things. And I don't know how many alcoholics you know, but like, is this real life alcoholic or TV alcoholic who pours a tomato juice and vodka at 7.15 in the morning before they go to work? Like, is that is that a little bit insane or is that like actually how some of these people live? I think it feels a little TV because uh, a real one I think would be better at hiding it and wait till 10 a.m. And maybe dump out their glass and rinse it out instead of just setting the the glass of half a cocktail in the sink. Yeah, this is like somebody wants somebody to no. This is a call for help uh, more than a, a behavior. Um, also going on in the breakfast nook is Seth is starting to say he's like he's like I'm not going to set this up. I gotta how I'm going to tell Summer about the what he calls the little misunderstanding in Miami. And Sandy, I guess, has watched it. He's like, you mean when you. Licked whipped cream off that girl and ate a cherry out of her mouth. Yeah, what happened there? Did Sandy DVR it? Like, did Summer text Sandy and say, you should turn on MTV right the fuck now? Or did Ryan, like, rush home and cackle and tell Sandy what he just witnessed? Or Seth was covered in whipped cream the last time we saw him in Miami. Sandy went to talk to Ryan about what happened, and Ryan was like, oh, nothing. And then set a glass in the sink, and then Sandy ran over, and it was a full glass of whipped cream with a cherry in it. (laughs) Oh, I know something's up. I'm a lawyer detective. Uh, and Sandy does, and this like I don't know if he means it uh, as a barb towards Kirsten, but she definitely reacts. Uh, he says, "When you start hiding things, that's when you know the trouble's starting." Yes. For the most part, would you say that Sandy is not putting his foot down, and not like foot down, like insisting, but like his foot on the pedal and making things happen right now? Is that bad, or do you think that he's doing a good job of like? letting people make their own decisions. I'm in the background. I'm just saying, hey, everyone, I'm here to help. Yeah, he's planting seeds, and he's like, I have, there's an award named after me. I don't know if you know this, but I give out dablets of wisdom, and, and I'm here with those if you need them. One of the one like, one like of the parts that's hard from being like a New York Jew as opposed to a uh, OC Christian is that you guys drink all the time for no reason whatsoever. So, like, is this just typical Newport drinking, or is there something more serious going on? Because mm-hmm. honestly, like, we have only seen Sandy have like a beer with Marissa's dad. Like, that is right. all we've seen. Where we have an award dedicated right. to how much Kirsten drinks in every episode. And that's not. I could see somebody being like, "Oh, is it because you remembered this episode was coming?" But no, she. I, I do feel like for, for a lot of like ham-fisted, poorly done things the OC does to cause drama. This has been boiling since the first episode. They have done such a good job on the show of subtly bringing this up until it comes to, and this should not count, previously on the OC. And it's literally every drink that Kirsten has ever had. It's just a five-minute montage. Hmm, What do you guys think is going to happen in this episode? (laughs) So uh, that's what's going on in the Cohen household. Uh, Jumping over to the Cooper Nickel breakfast nooks. uh, Oh, wait, hold on. Real quick. I'm so sorry. In the uh, other house, Seth says, hey, Ryan, give, give me some advice. And then Ryan tells him, yeah, here's what you should do. And Seth has a problem with that. I just want you to agree with me. Mm-hmm. Who is right there? When, when you come- well, Seth wants to tell Summer. Is Ryan telling him not to tell Summer? Or you just mean in general? In general, like Seth says, oh, well, no, just, just you know, say that like I'm doing the right thing and don't even think about it. When you talk to me 
when Mike talks to Ryan about things about your life, do you just want me to say the things that you want to hear? No, I don't go to you for that. That's the people I care about less I go to for. People you care about less? Like teddy bears and whatnot? Yeah. I just line them all up on the bed and go, guys, I don't know. What do you think? And I'm like, Rubskin, you know I don't actually want to hear your thoughts. Just tell me what I need to hear. I think most friends are less direct than Seth is. I think most friends are don't straight up say, j- yeah. please just tell me that. But I think they're surprised when you tell them anything other than what exactly they wanted to hear. And I think like everybody's different, but I think you can tell when somebody's just venting. But there's an image of you're like, tell me what to do. And then somebody does, and you're like, no, just tell me what I want to hear. I'm like, you said the phrase, tell me what to do. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, and it's so hard to know. I didn't know this until I was married about sometimes there's conversations where they just talk and you do nothing. Just let them talk. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they want the platitudes and sometimes they want the advice. And I never guess correctly. I always do the wrong thing. You always guess poorly. Yeah. You're like, here's where I'll give the platitudes. Well, someone's like, I just need to know what to do right now. And you're like, you catch more flies with honey. <laughs> I killed a man. What do I do? Do I tell the cops to bear him in the desert? Cover him with honey. Catch all the flies. Cover him with honey. Get all the flies. They'll eat him for you. I was giving you advice. <laughs> uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll jump over to the Cooper Nickel household. <laughs> Ryan, if things are getting a little uneasy at the Coens, things are... Over easy. Royally fucked up at the Cooper Nichols. Uh, Over easy. Fuck it. Let's jump right to that. Julie is kitching it up uh, for cow. She's been making eggs Benedict for two hours. Uh, And his only response when she says that, like, because she wants to do a nice thing, but she also wants to know everybody to know how hard she is working at that nice thing. He just goes, I ate breakfast two hours ago. (laughs) It is 645 in the morning. I ate breakfast at 315. I do, man, I like, if you want to get me on Julie's side, if you want me to empathize with Julie, put her in a room with Cal, because mm-hmm. I am not a Julie fan, but my God, is this fucking person a disgusting monster who knows exactly the wrong thing to say. He is not just, like, speaking from his heart. He's saying, what will hurt her the most? Oh, there's definitely a, the little corner. Not enough that any lawyer could call him out for smiling, but there's, like, his lips are just turned up enough to smirk when he says that, because he's like, he's like, you slaved away for hours on eggs benedict for a man with a heart condition. Doesn't that seem insane to you? Like, it's so weird that he hasn't given her the divorce papers yet, because that sentence says it. A couple of problems here. One, I have a heart problem, and you made me a greasy, gravy-fueled uh, meal. Two, um, how could you spend more than 10 minutes making me something? Three, how could you think, despite the fact that I told you we were totally going to work it out, that I actually meant that we were going to totally work it out? Wasn't that like one episode ago when he was like, no, yeah, we can do this. We should try. We we should really work. Because they've been through a version of this already. So it feels like the next morning, Julie is raising her second teenager. Like, I have Moody Marissa and then Moody Caleb who comes down and is like, oh, fuck this, fuck you, I hate this all, I hate all of this. Uh, I want Cocoa Puffs. Uh, So that's what's going on downstairs. Upstairs is uh, a less fun time. Uh, Less fun than that. Marissa has, like, this wicked bruise on her shoulder and clavicle, which I don't remember. I don't know how. I know she bashed Trey in the head the last time we saw them. I don't know how she got that bruise. Uh, well, I think it's a, he was very romantically, very gently 
just holding her down mm-hmm. so he could do it. And uh, it turns out that that leaves marks. That leaves some marks. And she she's mostly worried about just covering them. Uh, and he calls her. Like, why she, he, he, like, knows. There's a radar. And he's like, oh, she's really upset about what well, no, I should call her. Uh, it turns out he's been calling a lot. And the blonde jerk uh, is over there. Jessica. And Jessica. And she full on knows. She's like, what happened? Stable boy get fresh with the princess. <laughs> and then she tries to fuck him. What is this girl's deal? All right. So. There's a lot of reasons I love the OC. Um, one, I think that they're handling this rape very carefully, and they're showing how like it's not easy to tell people about it. You know, like I will be known as the victim from here on out, right. and I will ruin a brother's relationship if I just say it, or I could just keep quiet, know that it's done, and this is hard for me. So like they're nailing Marissa, but they're also nailing the other part of soap opera, which is Jess being like, "Hey." I was a pile of dust that came out of nowhere <laughs> to just kiss your crotch and ho- like entice you into dirty soap opera things. Hey, did you rape someone? I still love you, baby. Yeah. She's like, oh, don't you think you're taking me for granted? She she makes my skin crawl more than any other character. Marissa is used to as like a like uh, you know high school queen and uh, like people being jealous of her and then want to take that role. Or there's Jess's thing where like I'll never be Marissa. So I'm going to do the exact opposite, and I'm going to be basically a bunch of maggots that came to life and <laughs> only exist like man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm going to just get people in trouble by barfing maggots on things. And like, I mean, it was fully Trey's fault, but it was the like the one-two punch of like somebody being very nice to him and somebody whispering in his ear that nobody should ever be nice to him, and it meet like <laughs> she's almost pushing him towards this. Uh, but I, I got to say though, I do kind of like it because Jess is a little bit more than just a plot device in that her desire to be the opposite of Marissa fuels her revenge against Marissa, you know? Like, she's not just like, oh, I'm happy with being the bottom of the barrel. I'm going to ruin the top of the barrel. And is she, like, new to school? Because, like, Marissa, everybody at Harvard knows she had kind of a rough last year. Like, it's Uh not like she's not the queen bee she used to be. Uh but yeah, it, it does feel like there's a lost episode where Marissa was super shitty to Jess. Yeah, for sure. And we will never see that because that's not what we see about Marissa. But what it feels like this show does is there was some meeting that we did not see where I was like, Jessica, you went to a different school, but there was some drama in a pool. We have no choice but to move you to Harbor and just see what happens with all the characters. <laughs> uh, so f- flashing forward in into the school, uh, Seth is like pacing back and forth. Summer's doing homework. Uh and then she very calmly tells Seth that she knows what happened. She's like, we have cable. Uh, and then she wounds him on purpose. To, uh, she's like, I thought things were going to be different this time, but you haven't changed. In fact, you found a even more new and more public way of disappointing me. So one of our big arguments over the last couple of episodes is how what a piece of shit Zach is mm-hmm. and how obvious his wounds are. Um, I think that he's a bad person. You think that he just shits gold and pisses rainbows, and floats on the clouds. Summer does go for blood. Summer isn't just like, oh, I'm a reasonable person. Like She does go out to hurt Seth, but to me, this makes so much more sense as a three-dimensional character than what Zach does and has done in the last episode. Yeah, I definitely I buy it, and I'm on Team Summer for how she's trying to hurt him, because she's also being honest. She's like, it shouldn't be this hard for us to be together, and I kiss Zach, fuck you. All right, <laughs> um, can we take a timeout? When I was first going out with a woman who would be my wife, Mm -hmm. one of her friends said to her about us, it shouldn't be this hard. And I swear to God, 
It's so triggering. And you know what? Summer and Seth should not be together. Summer is so much better than he deserves. She should not be with Zach. She should choose Summer. But why did that friend of future wife say that about me and my current wife, dude? I don't know. Uh, off air, I'll ask what friend this is, and you'll remind me it was me, and I'm sorry. I take it back. Look, we uh, had a couple of dust-ups. When you, you can vouch for this. When me and my oh, wife first met, uh, yeah. <laughs> you at my wedding declared <laughs> to... You at my wedding, you declared to her parents, who did not know about any of this, that we were the fightingest couple in the West. Um, but she said, I said it, it as a positive thing. <laughs> and I do think it's good for couples to fight. But Summer is probably right. Yeah, what's hard for them isn't that they fight all the time. And also in high school, you shouldn't fight all the time. Like, it should be easy in high school. What the? Th- uh, no, that's what high school is for. Fight all the time. Learn how to fight. Get all your fights out. Yeah, learn how to fight is probably good. But uh, it's that there's something crazy happens it is that the seth will jump on the table declare his love for her and then get like myrtleized by the water polo team and then she'll be like no i want to be with you like it's never easy because it is seth he runs to portland he yo-yos so hard he does so giant romantic gestures and then when she's like all right we should be together he runs and licks whipped cream off somebody else i don't know if this technically counts as an award for the end of this particular episode when we do meta mountain but like I can make an argument for this county that, like, Seth understands that he's on a show mm-hmm. and has to keep his hot girlfriend and just, like, knows to do soap opera-y things, <laughs> you know? That means he's a bad person. But no, like, the whole point of relationships is to, like, have a good time, go out, like, do exciting things, but also mm-hmm. just revel in the night home where you're just watching Netflix. Right. Isn't that the best part? That. The other thing that they, they do not bring up is that if you look at uh, their foreheads... They're the same. Seth and uh, <laughs> Seth and Summer, both in this episode, both have these weird bangs, and they're exactly the same. And that should be the reason that you break up. Yeah. If you if you go to high school with the same exact bangs that your partner has, yeah. that's it. We're done. Don't date the same bangs. Don't date the same name. Diet Sig has a great song called 16 about how weird it is to hook up with somebody and moan your name at them. That's When, when we were like, oh, I bang so much in high school, we weren't talking about actual bangs. Like, the, the oh. hair... The hair on their forehead is identical. Uh, we're going to doodly-doo at the same time uh, in Harbor High. Uh, Ryan goes to kiss Marissa. Like I think they're officially a couple now. And she flinches horde. I think he touches her bruise a little, but it's also she is on edge. And her excuse or her reasoning, she's like, I'm just not used to like the hallway kiss yet. But he is uh, Ryan Atwood, junior detective. And he's like, something is fucking up right now. Well, yeah. Uh, there's a couple things here. One, they have kissed in the hallway. Thousands of times. Thousand times. Uh, second of all, he's never come in that strong onto her collarbone like he does. He picked this one day to be like, rah, hope this is not bruised. But I do think that like part of the reason that he's the smartest character is because when people make faces or when their uh, like their words belie their tone, he does notice. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and instantly. But and he's always like, I'll sit on this for a second. And I think this is him and Sandy. Uh, very similar, where they notice things and they're like, "I'm not gonna call you out yet. I'm gonna like spool out as much fishing line as I need." I guess the weirdest part is that it makes sense that Sandy smelled the glass of mm-hmm. tomato juice and vodka, but Ryan's smelling her collarbone. Like, <laughs> this smells like prison musk. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Um, Kiki is the, at work I, at this time. I'm so sorry. You're the not prop- ready. 
Okay, pro- if you pause, you got to be <laughs> I know. know that I'm going to move on. Asshole. But I just, I just thought of a thing. I saw you like saying I should host now, but then I thought of a thing. Um the th- the problem with Ryan right now is that he has in the last episode said, "You know what? Trey's okay." Mm-hmm. It takes so long for Ryan to say that you're good or bad that once it's in motion, it takes so long to get it going the other way. Right. So like if if he was still in Trey's a motherfucking asshole mode, then he would have touched her collarbone and said, like, I know exactly what happened. But right. it takes a while for Ryan to go back and forth. The smartest, like, uh, fastest speed, slowest acceleration is, I think, what mm-hmm. he has. And so then we have to sit through scenes of Ryan and Marissa and Trey together, which are horrifying. I'm so sorry. Continue hosting the show. Ryan, uh, people are apparently cleaning Carter's office out because he left in such a rush. He couldn't do it. And there was a gift with a note for Kirsten. And the assistant, who we've never seen before, gives it to her way and then looks so astonished that Kirsten's like, oh, just put it over there. Like, I think this chick wanted Kirsten to open it and dish right then about why this is happening. She's like, look, I'm very good at my job. And since I got this job, uh, the company's stock is up 250%. But it's boring. And it sucks. And I want some fucking soap opera relationship bullshit. And I know... There's there's a musk around this package that I know there's something up here. And I think both her and Kirsten were freaked out because it was not in the shape of a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way that he fit liquor into this tiny what? box. Is it a tiny flask? But if a if a box is that small, Mike, what does it have to be? It has to be jewelry. And in fact it is a necklace where I don't think we know that quite yet. The next time we see Kirsten, uh Sandy is at home finishing her tomato juice. Mm-hmm. It it feels like that it feels like there was a glitch. In the Matrix, because it's the morning again. She has gone to work for an hour and comes back for some reason. No, there was a bad skip here. Like, typically, yeah. I think that, like, this happens every episode, and I just happened to notice this episode. But it felt like that uh, Kirsten went to work, had a full day of work, and then came home, and Sandy was just still in the kitchen the entire time. Because she's like, well, yeah, he's in the kitchen, and he finishes her tomato juice. Does He knows then, right? But he's, again, not telling her anything. But, like, doesn't dump it out. He's like, oh, there's liquor in here. I don't want to drink it, but I have to. And then now he's drunk too. And and she's like, oh, didn't you leave for work? Which is when I was like, wait, this is the same day. What is happening right now? Uh, so apparently he just sat in the kitchen for two hours drinking her tomato juice. With Dinah. Uh, I know. And he's like, well, there's coffee. Like, I, I do think, I think he tasted the tomato juice very immediately after she left. And then just stared at the wall for two hours, figuring out what he's going to do about this. And I think the Sandy thing is not, it's not obtuse or willfully obtuse. It's, I wonder if I can say a bunch of Sandy things. What do we call the award? Sandy wisdom. If I can say a bunch of Sandy wisdom before this becomes a problem, I can keep it from becoming a problem. Right. I think that's what he's thinking. And also, he, but like, there is some willful obtuseness here. Like, mm-hmm. he really doesn't want to admit to himself that like, there's a thing going on. I think he's trying to get her to he wants he wants her to want to, to say it. I think that's what the there is coffee though. Like it's like tell me you're drunk at seven in the morning. Tell me why this is happening. Uh and Kirsten brushes up pretty quickly. She says she cannot take Monday off or go to Palm Springs. Uh and he's like, Oh, that's weird. Uh an hour ago you were into it. And then she tries to leave again to go back to work. Uh and he's like, What, I don't get a kiss? And that's when he sees that she's wearing a new necklace. And that's the first time we've seen the thing Carter gave her. Does she say, I cannot take off work, I cannot go to Palm Springs? Like, The only thing that is in the way is like her love of Carter. Like, If we go on this vacation, I will only be thinking about somebody else. I think it's uh, 
So you got real with uh, your wife's friend. Here we go. Here we go. There was, there was a period in my 20s I was dating somebody where I wanted to start avoiding dates because that was the only time we actually talked, which meant we fought hard because there was a bunch of real issues we were not dealing with. Uh, and I think this is this. She knows if the two of them go to Palm Springs for a couple of days, all this will come out. And also Palm Springs is pretty close to a few well-known rehabs. So maybe she's worried <laughs> that he knows some. <laughs> um, I love surrounding uh, like party cities with as many rehabs as you can. But it's not like, I don't think that it's like Sandy will say something and then she'll scream at him. I think that Sandy will say something and then he'll be like, Kirsten, are you, are you listening? Like, are you there? And she'll just be staring out of a window, mm-hmm. touching that fucking necklace. Yeah. And it's a little Rocketeer's helmet, which I think is a little on the nose. I mean, like, it looks like a helmet, but it's actually, like, the Blu-ray, the actual Blu-ray copy of The Rocketeer. And she has Just to very tiny. wear that around. And I think that there is something weird with jewelry. Like, I've never gotten a girl, space, 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 friend jewelry, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I think that it is a little romantic. It's a little intimate. Uh, yeah, be, be, yeah, there's connotations because of the way we've decided things are. Uh, I try to break it and give everybody I barely know jewelry. Just, like, break those connotations down. But here's the thing, Kirsten. You could have gotten that gift. Oh, it's a necklace. Oh, this is important to me. It's important to my heart. I'll love Carter forever. And then put it in a closet. But she puts it on immediately, and Sandy walks in the next second. So let's jump to the kids, because it's more fun. Because the adults are so frustrating. (laughs) Zach shows up, your least favorite person. uh, And he's talking to Summer, and he's like, I need to know if what happened last night was mostly your revenge thing or something real. And Summer MVP says, honestly, it's mostly revenge. And he's just like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'm going to quit the comic. I'm not going to the launch party. And this is the time we just learned that there's a launch party on Saturday. And I'm going to do everything I can to win Summer back. This is full on. Do you feel at any point in this episode that Zach only joined the comic so he had the power card of quitting the comic? I don't. I really think, and this is why I think Zach has done some fucked up stuff. But I don't think he's the monster you think he is. I think Seth is a worse human being than Zach. Um and Seth fucked him over first, and because they're teenagers, he's like, well, double down. Uh, I think he wanted to make this thing, but he saw the way that Seth is still very Seth. And being around Summer again, Seth, instead of being cool, friendly Zach we knew, he's like, fuck this. I bent over backwards for this guy, and he's nothing but a dick and is not appreciating his girlfriend. I'm gunning for it. I don't think Zach is a bad person. I just I think that our argument was that like I think he's much more calculating than you did. Mm-hmm. I think that he is in a position where... Uh, He's supposed to only be earnest and good and then saw all of these opportunities and his opponent is Seth, who whose biggest villain is Seth. And like, right. oh, I'll just stand over here and watch him fucking die in flames. And now what what I love, my favorite Zach moment of this series is uh, Zach, Seth says, you're supposed to be a nice guy. And he says, wake up. I'm a water polo player. We're never nice guys. This is war. Imagine if... That's a Julie Cooper type of thing to say. That is amazing. Who the like? Why did Dorothy want to run away so bad? Like, who the fuck it, on the farm, the black and white farm, was like abusing Dorothy? Uh, where it was black and white. It was boring as hell. <laughs> but this is like if the Tin Man was like, "Hey, Dorothy, I'm gonna help you out all of this time," and then at some point the Tin Man looks at Dorothy and says, "Like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> I'm sick. Of I'm you gonna fucking us. reboot your reality, bitch, because I'm against you and I'm gonna fight you." We've been stuck on this yellow brick road for days, and you don't know where we're going. See, what you thought before is that uh, I like comic books and nerds, but what actually matters is I'm a motherfucking water polo player, and then reality gets crushed. 
I think I think that is now he is just trying to hurt Seth. And I, I do think there's something very real about high school friendships and high school friendships when you get into love triangles. It's not cute. It's not fun. You're gonna go out of way to hurt somebody because of the things they've done. Yeah, and I think that empathy is more like uh I don't know, like it's it's more like jelly. Like you can move it around and not mm-hmm. care. Like you get to pick when you are empathetic and when not. I would say that Zach saying I'm a water polo bitch, player bitch, is performative as well. He does oh. not act like a water polo player. He's using no, that he's to hurt that Seth. He knows, yeah, he knows Seth's background. For he's sure. He's only being like, I am the thing you should be afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fucking metal. That's why you always say to me, I am bare feet. And I just have to I deal with that feet shit. feet in the night. <laughs> uh, and then, so, I guess they have a meeting at the diner. Uh, and... Zach tells Reed, Reed's like, we're going to do the launch party. And Seth pretends to be shocked because Zach is like, hey, I understand. I hope, wish you guys nothing but success. I will not be a part of this anymore. And Seth does this face, just like jaw agape like a goldfish. Like, what? What? This, this is an interesting scene and weird to me because we did not get anything but this. But like, Reed, Zach goes to quit because <laughs> he says to Reed, like, hey, I know that you're a big comic book creator and don't care about high school relationships, but I, uh, I quit because of summer, my love of summer. And she goes right into, well, contracts exist and lawyers, and I will fucking rape you in the courts till the end of time. We've only seen Reed be pretty cool, other than the fact that she seemed a little too into Zach. Uh-huh. And even called him gorgeous uh-huh. uh, in a predatory way at this meeting. But she says, I know you're young, and it's a comic book to you. It's just fun, fun, fun. But to us, it's business. It's like, oh, really? Wild storm? <laughs> you're going to make a bunch of money off of this? Like... There's no way she'd be like, oh, none of this is worth it. Also, I'm out. Yeah, for sure. Like, all of this drama is fun to us. Like, it's definitely worth it for us to do a podcast about it 20 years after it happens. <laughs> but for somebody who's, like, in the industry. Well, that's why 20 and also she signed two, run divisions. Yeah, she signed two <laughs> 16-year-olds to contracts. She's also barely not a kid. Like, it, that's what's clear from this. But, the, but then Zach looks at Seth, and he's like, you made this happen. But did he? Like, did he run yeah. to Reed? I, I yeah, I think that is Zach now being paranoid, and Seth is also just like makes no face because he's like, oh, now I'm the thing he fears, so I'm just gonna keep a sta- static face. But why does Seth want him to stay? Is it just to dick him over? Like, I will make you partner with me. And if you work on the comic, you have less time to go for summer. That's insane. And also, that, that, like his Zach's clearly... big power play was like, I'm gonna quit the comic for summer, and right. so now I have taken that away. But in such like, uh, I'm handcuffing us together to this bomb. <laughs> like, That's how all great art is made. <laughs> Do you remember that time where like we were about to punch each other in a bar in downtown Louisiana, and somebody stepped up and said, "Sorry, boys, you have to be on a podcast now." <laughs> and we're like, "Fuck!" And but you know, maybe it'll work out for them because we were about their age when that happened. Yeah, and I bet that producer is so. making so much money on this show. <laughs> no, they they did the contract poorly. We get everything. Do you wish that uh, we just fought in the fight? Yes. Do you know what the this p- has been a drag. <laughs> okay, I was I was going to compliment the podcast. I have a good time here. Apparently, you don't. Uh, I think we make a great show. I just mean dealing with you has been a drag. The problem is that uh, we are not similar in so many ways. Like we aren't actually the same person, except for how we fight, which is fucking straight up awesome jump kicks. Which would and our jump kicks would have touched each other every single time we did them. And just thrown into the wall, opposite wall, and then run back, over jump and kick, and over. And that is exhausting. You got like three of those in your day, and then you have to sit down to a nice po'boy sandwich, jump on a fan boat, see some gators. Let's say that like uh, you and I were the people that we actually are instead of the people in our heads that are good at jump kicks. <laughs> Who out of the two of us are actually better at jump kicks, would you say? 
I don't know. I think my body like folds in half. Like as the the posture they tell you not to sit at a computer is what I would do if I kind of jump kick. I think that I'm much more muscular than you. I have mm. a ton of muscles and you have almost none. But you have such I have one muscle. You have one muscle. <laughs> but you're so good at like dancing and rhythm, you know? Yeah. That maybe you're like if there's a beat on, you'll do a perfect breakdance jump kick and it might put my muscles to shame. So your first move is try to jump kick me in both ears so I can't hear the music to jump kick perfectly. I have the same move every time, which is to bite an eyebrow off. <laughs> See what happens. Don't talk about my big bushy eyebrows and how biteable they are. No, yeah. I choke we're, every time. We're taking a break. Brian, it is clear that Julie is actually trying because after the ex-Benedict debacle uh, and she runs into Cal again, she wants to talk to a counselor. And in her words... Anybody who can penetrate that fortress solitude of yours, because I comics not. connection. There's been a lot of award previews in this episode, uh, and then he's like, "No, I don't do counselors." And she's like, "All right, I'm out. You don't want me to cook for you. You don't want this body. Why are we in this at all? You said you would try last night." Uh, and then he's like, "Wait, you're right. No counselor. But why don't we just go to dinner tonight? Like that's gonna fucking fix anything." This is when we have to do this thing, Mike, and I hate doing this thing, but uh, every once in a while, like every fifth episode, for every like 24th plot line, we do have to do this thing. We have to face this perfect show, this better than The Sopranos, better than The Wire show, and we have to have a showdown. Hello. And we have to say, my God, 95% of the time. All of this writing lines up, and it's actually perfect, and it's thematic, and it's the one of the best shows of all time. And then time, sometimes it's just dumb as fucking fuck, and nothing from this plot line makes sense. I mean, Julie does, but Caleb's whole thing of like, hey, in the last episode, we should get back together, and I'm going to make it work. Then I'm going to wake up the next morning and make you think that I hate you more than anyone has ever hated you. And then, you know what? We should get back together. And then I'm going to look at the pictures that I had the entire time of you hooking up with Lance, and this is all... For I just want to make this this one scene compelling and makes no sense whatsoever. Right? Is is it is it trying to say he's only doing all this because he knows she kissed Lance, so he's being hot and cold on purpose to fuck but like, her? With someone like Caleb, then the whole thing would be like, well, you have to make it go to like December fifteenth, and then December sixteenth is when the contracts open up, and then. Mm-hmm. But th- there is none of that. That's bullshit. There's no right. reason for him to do any of this. I was so proud of Julie when she's like, then I'm out. But if you're going to throw an ultimatum, live by your ultimatum. Because he's like, no cancer, maybe a date. Girl, you've been on dinners with Cal. It's just going to be bad, windbaggy, boring stories about golf. Like, just leave. You were right. Leave. Also, isn't that the way that you know that you're married to a typical bullshit caveman dude? When you mention counselors and he's like, no counselors? Guys, come on. Get your butts on the couches and let's talk about things. Anybody who's like, I'm just not a kind of counselor kind of person. Uh, All right. So you say you hate rutabaga. Have you had it before? No? Then fucking try it, dick cheese. I mean, I would, but unfortunately, uh, by not going to school and getting no degrees as far as psychiatry goes, I just feel like that I know more about therapists, comma, relationships, comma, and our relationship than anyone ever could. So why would I ever talk to anybody? It is the most John Wayne cowboy bullshit, I'm an idiot fucking fucker of all time. I hope more people are like us and are trying to use John Wayne not as a compliment anymore but as like that is the worst fucking thing to be i mean that's what uh who was that uh flavor Flav gave us right he gave us john wayne that john wayne is a terrible person <laughs> public enemy no flavor Flav. public enemy not just flavor Flav. 
No, Flavor Flav, I think it was a real Flavor Flav front. Typically, when Public Enemy does something, it's more Chuck D and less Flavor Flav. And Flavor Flav just jumps in and goes, what? Yeah! Boy! Uh, back at the high school, uh, Jess approaches Ryan, which I didn't know they've ever interacted. And for no reason, she's just like, Trey and I have been hanging out. And he's just like, uh, okay. And then she asks for a pen and just grabs his dick. <laughs> she knows Marissa is watching, yes? Watching? Does she? I don't know. Like, I don't know. She's just a cyclone of chaos. It seems like she might be in love with Trey. And it seems like that she maybe has her own agenda. But after this scene, it really just seems like that. It's, whatever hates Marissa. Whatever makes Marissa mad because she's the fucking queen of the school, then that's what I'm going to do. And then she's like, hey, by the way, I blew Trey. It's totally fine. Hey. Uh, and then just like tries to jerk him off as hard as she can. <laughs> and he's like, take this pen. Walk away. Uh, I also like that he's... He doesn't hold back. He doesn't have diplomacy. He's like, oh, great. This is what training is. Somebody <laughs> yeah. like you. And she does not like that. But I think that Ryan thought that that was going to be insulting. Like, oh, this is going to hit her hard when I tell her, like, oh, yeah, I bet you're like this. And she's like, uh, highest compliment I've been paid this week. Okay. <laughs> no, she looked mad, and but then tried to jerk him off. So it was a weird one, too. Like, I think she also just wants to make everybody uncomfortable. So, yeah. And I don't think, I think Marissa was not like worried that Ryan is going for this girl. I think she looked upset because, like, this fucking bitch again. Like, I think she, there is the unknown plot line with the two of them, and she knows Jess is bad news. But, like, to call her the Joker would be, like, it's not chaos. It's specifically, like, doesn't the Joker, like, sort of, like, say everything should be turned upside down, but with her, it's only good things should be bad, you know? Isn't it sort of almost more right. evil than the Joker? More the, the scare Bane, if you will, a different Batman villain. Let's find figure out what Batman villain Jess is. <laughs> it's Doctor Doom, Crow, the Mad Hatter. You take that back, you son of a bitch. Uh, Trey is like hovering in the parking lot, waiting for Marissa, and she tries to escape him, and he he, he ends up grabbing her. Uh, Holy shit! Ryan walks Hold up. on. Okay, <laughs> so classic dude move is to say, "Hey, don't hang up," right? Eventually, you'll call enough where they'll be like, you know what? What's up, bud? I just want to hear what you're saying. And then you say, don't hang up. And then you get to explain yourself and say, like, hey, remember that time that I raped you? Sorry, didn't mean it. Not a big deal. Um, but Marissa is really doing a good job of hanging up every time. Like, no, straight up, bro. I do not want to talk to you. So he shows up to the high school. And then when Marissa tries to do the phone thing of saying, like, hey, I don't want to talk to you, his instinct is to grab her again and physically... Like put her in front While of him. Saying I need to explain. It's it's uh, and then Ryan shows up and Trey lies about why he's being at Harbor. And uh, it is nice. Ryan's like, why don't the three of us just grab a burger? And both of them are like, no, no, anything but that. Like, can you see in Ryan's eyes that something is up? And I'm going to suggest getting a bite to find out more. Or do you see in Ryan's eyes? You know what? I trust all these people, so therefore everything's fine. Even yeah, though this looks one. crazy. He knows something is up with Marissa. I don't think he's connected it to Trey yet. Because how could my brother... How could my brother... Christ. Um, Ryan. Yes. I hate to be the one to tell you. No, wait. What the fuck, dude? But we are. Oot oof toin. I feel like that we got like to roughly the first like 22, 23, 24 minutes of this episode. 
Probably. And then next episode, we'll probably cover the back 22, 23 minutes. Of All right. It. And then the awards. I, like, I'm not the host of the show, so far be it for me to argue with you. But you understand that like the first 24 minutes of any OC episode is like sort of set up, and the back half is where literally everything happens. Oh, man. Then if you liked this episode, you will love next episode because everything is going to happen. A little taste is a... Uh... Does Sandy find Kiki passed out on the couch? You know he does, and they will talk about that. And I'm assuming other showdowns will happen. We have the comic book launch is going to happen. I bet that doesn't go smoothly. Uh, I think, does Ryan finally find out about Trey? Who knows? Does Sandy carry Kirsten to the bedroom like Ryan carried Marissa and Tijuana? (laughs) Do all girls flop in arms the same same way? Uh, Ryan, who should we thank? We should absolutely thank the band that's here right now. And guys, you can leave. I'm going to wait for them to leave. Uh, uh, can you when, you, when you do leave, can you pick up your trash? Absolutely. You pick it up, pick it up, <laughs> pick it up. Sorry, uh, you guys are a ska band, and I apologize how he makes that same joke every time. But now that they're gone, I would love to thank the Holophonics for doing all of the music for tonight's episode. All of it. I want to thank you. Me? The listeners for going, no, never you. Listeners, for going to yourpopfilter.com to find out all of our stuff, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon to shop that away. We're going to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter for picking a tier, for rating a tier, for enjoying all the content you get that tier. I'll go now, Mike. What's next? Please. Shows? Shows. All right. Uh, make sure that you are uh, subscribing to, rating to, reviewing to. Uh, all of our other shows, Superhero Show Show, is the show that we go over, the podcast that we go over every single show that's based on a comic book TV or, wait, comic book or comic book property? How's it go? Mm-hmm. That's the phrase. All right, and then... That's the stupid phrase. Movie of the Year is the show that we dissect and discuss every single episode of the Superhero Show Show. Nailed it. Uh, you can follow us at your pop filter on Twitter, on Instagram, email us at contact at yourpopfilter.com. We've already said what's going on next week, so I guess, Ryan, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, go bananas, go bananas, go bananas, California, go bananas. California! California!